The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Take your Bibles and turn with me to John's first letter, the first letter of John, and we're going to pick up this morning in chapter 2, beginning in verse 18, and I've entitled this message, really it's a two-part message, it'll be this week and next week, I've entitled the message, Antichrist and Anointing. Those are the two things that John makes very clear in this passage, while it's true that the Antichrist is is coming, and there are many Antichrists, as there were in John's day, so it is today. But you have an anointing, and there is a holding fast to him for you who have trusted Christ as your Savior. Aren't you glad that that little baby that came 2,000 years ago, that as you placed your trust in him and his complete work, he will hold you to the very end? That's something to thank the Lord about. As we reflect on this Christmas season, for those of us who have trusted Christ, I think there's, there's a nuance to the season as we celebrate God sending His Son. And this is not in an arrogant way to say this by any means, but there's something in that that we have as believers, as Christ followers, that the rest of the world does not have to celebrate. I was watching a news commentary some night this week, and the journalist had gone out into the city, and he was going to Walmart and different locations like that. I didn't see him at Ace Hardware, Ed, or you here today. Um, But he was interviewing those who were shopping, and Christ was at the center of his interview, and he was asking those who were shopping uh, during their time of shopping and hurriedness and stress and all of that, if they were thinking about the true meaning of Christmas, that God sent his son, Christ, to save the world. And every single one that he interviewed, to some of their shame, they said, well, you know, recognizing I have not. And while the, the, the world will celebrate the same day that we do, and they'll enjoy some of the same things that we enjoy as Christ followers, I, I do love exchanging gifts. I'll be honest with you, I love getting them better than I do giving them. No, that's a joke. I enjoy the time with the family. I enjoy the gathering uh, at parties and those kinds of things with people that I love and that I'm in friendship with. But none of that... None of that is as sweet and near and dear as the reality is that God sent his son to die on a cross to shed his blood for a payment for my sins. And he went to the cross so that I could be free from the bondage of sin. And he rose again on the third day and I placed my trust in him and I have a hope for all of eternity. Amen. Amen. That's really kind of what John is speaking to as he writes to this group of believers because if you remember as we've gone through 1 John, there, there, were, there were those who had gone out from them. There were heretics that were in the midst of the congregation and they were teaching another Christ other than the Christ who had come. They were saying that, yes, he came, but he really didn't come in the flesh. He was really not born of a virgin because they had this idea that all material matter was evil, so therefore he could not have come in the flesh. And and they were causing a lot of confusion among the believers. And bottom line is they were teaching another Christ other than the historical accurate Christ and his reason and purpose for coming. So John writes to him, I think, to settle some of their concern in this, beginning in verse 18, if you'll follow along with me. He writes, he says, children, 
It is the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They, the ones that had left, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? Be he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, but whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the truth that's contained, not just contained in it, but God, it is your word and it is truth. So Father, we pray and ask that as we open up some of these verses this morning, God, by the Holy Spirit, uh, Lord, you would uh, encourage our hearts, God. Father, I pray that through the words of John, that if there are any here this morning who have not placed their trust in Christ, they, they would become, begin that journey of, of trusting Christ for their Savior. Lord, we thank you for this time of the year that we celebrate uh, you sending your Son, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who would take away the sins of the world. And so, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you'd make us wise and discerning. And, Lord, realize that not every voice that we hear espoused in the name of Jesus, is truth. So, Lord, protect your sheep, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. A few verses that we're just going to kind of pull out of here to look at Antichrist, because John kind of goes back and forth, uh, speaking of the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist and, and the anointing that we have. And really, he's given assurance to them that, that although there were some of those who had gone out from among them, they were under the, by the spirit of Antichrist. You don't have to worry, because if you trusted Christ, then you have been sealed in him for all of eternity. So we're splitting this into two weeks. But let me pick up in verse 18. He writes this. He says, children... It is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now are many Antichrists who have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. And so John indicates here that, that we know it's the last hour. Now, he's not talking about a specific hour on your watch, that it is the last hour, but he's, he's referring to as a season or a definite period of time or a moment in time. And the fact is that, that that last hour that we are now still in today, some 2,000 years later, is, is what we 
what we refer to is that the last days, that from the time of Christ's resurrection and the church age was born, we are now living in the last hour or the last time, the last season. And so John indicates here, he says, listen, you, you know that it's the last hour. By nature, it's the last hour. It's the last kind of its time. And you have heard that Antichrist is coming. This word Antichrist has the idea of, of the one that, that might come in place of, the real Messiah or the real Christ, and it also carries the idea of one who would be the opposite of the real Christ, the Messiah. And so John is saying, listen, we know that Antichrist is coming, and even in this day, that was 2,000 years ago, in John's day, in the first century of the church, there were those who were coming, as he refers to, in the spirit of Antichrist teaching anything that might be opposite of the true gospel through the Messiah or anything that would have been in place of the true Messiah. The word here is used three different ways in Scripture. First way is this. Now, sometimes you might, you might hear the term, the spirit of Antichrist. John later says this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. He says, And every spirit that does not confess Jesus, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already today. You see, anyone who would come along from that time on and even today that would be espousing any false doctrine that would, that would take away from the person of Christ and who he is, who he was, and what he has accomplished. Behind that is the spirit of Antichrist, we might say. It's a substitute for the realities of who he was, what he's done, and what he's accomplished on our behalf. Warren Wiersbe puts it this way. He says, the spirit of Antichrist is in the world today. And it will eventually lead to the appearance of a quote-unquote satanic superman, which we know will be the Antichrist who will come during that period of the tribulation time and actually set himself up in the temple to be worshipped and claim to be God and led by Satan himself. But then there is that specific individual. But Paul can, uh, John's also talking about those who might be false teachers. And God knows we have had false teachers from the very moment that the church was born, even up to today. And unfortunately, there are many that are led away by those who would be false teachers. Paul, speaking of this specific individual, the Antichrist, says of him this way in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. He said, he opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, in most recent times, we've heard a lot of people try to predict who that Antichrist is. It seems like the opposing party of whoever is in the president's office tries to figure out that numerical way that that one who is in office today, his name may equal 666, right? But we will know when he's revealed who he is, and that will be at the second coming of Christ. And can I tell you this, while we are encouraged to judge the times and the season, not even the Son knows when it's going to be time for him to come back. So if you hear anybody saying today, listen, he's going to be coming back very soon, understand that they must have an inside scoop that even the Son of God doesn't have himself. 
We know that he is coming. And evidence of his coming is that in these days, this last hour, these last days, there is the spirit of Antichrist looking to lead those away from the true gospel message and who Christ is. He says again, and, and now many Antichrists has come. And just as it was true in John's day, it's very true in today's day. But we shouldn't be surprised. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24 beginning in verse 6. Jesus answered them, he said, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. Peter writes this in his second letter, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. He says, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Here's one indication of one who might be a false teacher. We can think of some in our current day and we immediately have that radar that goes up and say, wait a minute, they're just trying to exploit individuals for their own gain, right? He goes on to say, their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. Most recently, some of the Modern cults that would be classified as, as a cult and would be antichrist. Uh, and please understand, I'm not trying to disparage these groups or people, but simply pointing out some who are. Uh, one of the leading ones in our nation and growing around the world is the Mormons. And they deny that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and God himself. But what's interesting about the Mormon church is that 82%, a poll as recent as 2017, 82% of those who are a part of the Mormon church came out of mainline other tradition denominational churches. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us that they're easily led astray, and to me the indication there is they do not know the Word of God, and it's easy for them to be taken captive and led astray. One of the other current cults in our nation and around the world are the Jehovah Witnesses. In that group, 65% of those who make up Jehovah Witnesses came from mainline denominational churches. A poll that I read somewhere around the year of 1992 said that of the Mormon church, 82% of those that make up the body of the Mormon church came from Southern Baptist churches. I find that astonishing. Because we're known to have some of the, some of the best Sunday school material and curriculum that, that's known throughout any other denomination. And one of the indications there to me is that maybe often we have relied on the espousing of Sunday school curriculum and material from a teacher to us that we have failed and substituted that for us having our own time in the Word and study of the Word of God. I've begun looking around, and, and I've just found some things in our day and our age that, that I think have the spirit of Antichrist behind them, 
and, and they really teach and preach another gospel. And so some of this is my opinion. You can take it, leave it, or chunk it, or flush it. It doesn't mean anything. But as I look around the body of Christ in our nation today, I recognize and realize that there are a number of other gospels that have been and are being preached that are substitutionary and, in my view, anti-Christ because they espouse something greater, in their words, in their ideas, than Christ himself. And these are the tags that I put on them. Number one is that gospel that I have looked most current is what we would, might would term our our um, our, our uh, national nationality or our patriotic gospel, if I can use that term. That in the evangelical church, somewhere the shift began to happen there that we almost equated patriotic devotion to our country, which I'm very patriotic, but can I tell you this? My patriotism to the United States of America and yours as a follower of, the Christ, of Christ should never supersede, never take place, never be more preeminent than the name that is above all names, and that is the name of Jesus. Can I say that again? Now listen, my, blood, my blood's red, white, and blue. But my Bible tells me that I am of another kingdom, and that is the kingdom of God. Second type of gospel that I've seen that, that begins to pull away and, and is antichrist is that gospel that, that I tag as the social gospel. And everybody seems to want to get on board to do some social good. But when, when our social good, which as believers, we're to do good in society. We're to have an impact and a change. But when our social idealism supersedes the name of Christ, folks, it is antichrist. Third one that I would tag, and this one's going to get me in trouble. But it's our political gospel. Sometimes we believe that if you're of this party and of that party, and both parties believe it, that you're really not a true Christian unless you're a part of this political party. Can I tell you that our political parties are man systems, they're not God systems. And so anytime I place that above the name of Jesus, I'm missing the mark. Denominational gospel. That, that, that somehow we, sometimes we have the idea that, that we hold our denomination above the gospel, that it becomes more important as to what part, what denomination we belong to seems to be more important that, than what God's Word says and who Jesus is. Now, I, I, I'm proud to be and I consider myself a Southern Baptist. It's because I believe the Southern Baptist statement of doctrine more lines up with what I believe Scripture teaches. But any time that I were to allow that to supersede and wave the denominational Southern Baptist flag above the Jesus flag, I'm in error. You see, a denomination didn't save me. A denomination didn't save you. Jesus, by His grace and His mercy, saved us. And so John says, hey, there, there have been many antichrists. And one of the ways that he begins to help us identify how we know that there are antichrists and when the antichrist is coming is that we identify the time. Notice he says this, therefore we know that it is the last hour. 
and, and the very fact that there have been antichrists who have come, or the spirit of antichrist, we know that we're living in the last hour. Satan knows that he's been defeated at the cross and more prominent. Well, he knows he was defeated when Christ raised from the dead. So his job in the interim, he wants to carry as many away and as far as he possibly can so that they do not come to know Christ. And so we know by the times they were... It is the Antichrist. He says this in verse 19. He says, they, referring to those who were once a part of the body there, he said, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For they, if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Notice he says, they, they went out from us, indicating that they were a part of the assembly. They were a part of that, those called out ones. They were a part of the body of Christ. But at some point, they, they left because... What they held to as truth was anti-Christ. Now, we have to be very careful in this, that not everyone who leaves a local church, here he's talking about the church, the body of Christ, everyone who leaves a local church is not of the spirit of anti-Christ or a heretic, right? Now, people leave churches for various reasons. Sometimes they relocate. Sometimes the church turns where they're not teaching the Word of God, and that's a valid reason to seek out another place of fellowship. And on the other hand, there are those who are completely immature that leave over some of the most ridiculous things that I've ever heard of in my life. And we all know them. And then there are those who, who leave a church because maybe all they had ever been was a good churchman or churchwoman and never had come to faith in Christ. And we see that they just kind of go off the deep end. And, and at one time they profess to be a Christian, but they've walked away from the body of Christ, chosen their own path, and even to, to, to completely defy the will of God and knowingly sin and leave the church. Well, the indication there is they were never a part of the church, the body of Christ. So we have to be careful in that. What he's talking about here specifically, though are those who had professed and, but denied Christ as God sent one. If you look at church history and any leaders of cults, you'll soon readily recognize that most who have led cult movements came out of or were from the local evangelical church body. You remember Jim Jones in Ghana. Richard B. Russell, who founded Jehovah's Witness, was a part of. Founder of Mormonism was a part of. See, see, they went out, and many that are modern day were a part of the church, part of the body, but they went out and have begun to espouse another doctrine. He's saying, listen, don't be alarmed when that happens. They were never a part of the body to begin with. They were never a part. The identifying mark, he says, of how we know one is of the Antichrist is this. Verse 22, he says, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. 
And so it's the one that not only that, that denies but rejects Christ as God's one who was sent as the redeemer of lost mankind. You see, this person might even agree that, that Jesus was a good teacher. They may even agree that Jesus was a holy man. They may even agree that, that Jesus was in his day was a social reformer. But they deny that God, very God, sent his son, very son, to be born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, was crucified on a cross as a substitute for our sins so that we might be born again, that he was buried and raised again, conquering death that he was other than that. So anyone that would spouse anything different than that is the spirit of Antichrist. Jesus made it very clear and emphatic in John chapter 14 where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do not. Uh, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Anyone who denies that that Jesus was sent by the Father and is the only way for salvation for man, in that sense, espouses to and is of the spirit of Antichrist. Anyone who says it's Jesus plus works takes away from the truth of the gospel of grace. I've been to India many, many times, and can I tell you, a Hindu is the easiest person to convert to Christianity than any other person on the face of the earth. Yeah. And the reason is, is because they have millions of gods and deities that they worship in Hinduism. And you present the gospel to them, and oftentimes they'll readily accept Jesus, but they put him on their shelf with every other deity that they worship. And we can shake our head and go, well, how can that be? But can I propose to you that, that there are many in this nation that do the same thing? We accept Jesus, and we put him on our shelf with all the other idols we worship and never surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. You see, he's the only way. Lastly, John gives a description of his character, that person's character. He says this. He says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. So in identifying character and mark of one who would be of Antichrist or a false teacher would be one who would come to lead you astray and so deceive you. Soon after my wife and I came to Christ, came to faith in Christ, I may have shared this story before, but I like hearing myself tell it, so I'm going to tell it again. <laughs> we were both working in a, in a restaurant. She was waiting tables, and I was busting tables right after I'd gotten out of the Navy, and there was a young lady who worked with her who, who professed to be a Christ follower. And she was so excited about her faith, and she had begun, she had begun to share with my wife different things from the Word of God. And, and, but Sandy noticed as she began to break out her Bible, there were parts of her Bible that were blacked out. They, 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 they were covered over, and Sandy asked her about that, and she says, well, you know, that's really not what it says. No, it's what it says. She just decided that she'd black it out. 
And as she got into further discussion with her, the key thing that uh, the cult that she was a part of, the name of it was the Way International, one of the key things, just like Jehovah Witnesses and just like the Mormons, they denied that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, that Jesus was God himself. And my wife had some radars that had come up in her, in her, in her head, in her spirit, and she was beginning to share these things with me, and I had some real red flags that raised up in me because I had grown up a good Southern Baptist boy, and I'd, I'd learned the doctrines that were taught, and I knew that it, they told me anyway that Jesus was God, and so I just accepted it. And, but I was troubled by this, and the reason I was troubled was because I asked the question, how do I know that he was really God? That led me into a search of Scripture not to find out what other men said about Jesus, but to see what Jesus and the apostles said about Jesus. And as I went through the scriptures and, and found passages and verses that, that supported and taught that Jesus, in fact, was God, I came to the conclusion, not by what somebody told me, but by what the Word of God says, that Jesus is emphatically God. And for the first time in my life, I settled the reality and the fact that Jesus is God's Messiah. He is God's Son. You'll never move me off of that. It's not because a Sunday school teacher taught me that. It's not because some seminary professor, no offense, Dr. Mapes, taught me that. But it's because the Word of God says that's who He is. You see, John's writing because he has a, he has a love for them. He, he's a pastor, and, and, and he says, little children, I, 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 I don't want you to be carried away if I can put words in John's mouth. I don't want, to be, want you to be carried away by them. Understand that they're false teachers and don't hit your, whole, your buggy to every horse that comes along, but get in the Word of God and know what the truth of the Word of God says. In conclusion, I would ask you this question. In this Christmas season, as we celebrate God sending His Son, Messiah, Have you acknowledged Jesus as who he is? Have you acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God from the Father, Messiah that was sent? That he was sent and he lived a sinless life that you and I cannot live? And, and by that, he was a, a, an acceptable sacrifice as a payment for your sins and my sins and have you seen him in reality as though he was sinless and without fault, he willingly laid himself down, his life down, and went to a cross and shed his blood, and your sins were placed on him, my sins were placed on him, and the wrath of a holy God was poured out on him in your and my place, and that he was buried, that he rose again, conquering death, and by that you've placed your trust in what he and only he can do for your and my salvation. Have you acknowledged that? Have you placed your trust in that this morning? If so, then rest in that. And if so, come next week and you're going to hear the beautiful fact of him keeping us in that. But if you've not trusted that this morning, I would invite you at the close of our service today to come to speak to myself or one of the other pastors that will be here 
Ryan, our minister of assimilation, will be at the Connect desk. You can go speak to him. One of our counselors, we want to make sure that you have come to know Christ and that you're resting in him because eternity is in the balance of that. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.